I just want to say uh, thanks for being here today, especially on a holiday weekend. Um, I appreciate so much. We appreciate as a church that you chose to spend time with us. So thanks for being here. And I know that for some of you, you have no cabin up north, you have no land, you have no friends who have cabins or land up north. And so this is just a normal Sunday for you. Uh, thanks for being here on a normal Sunday. But I also know that some of you do have cabins and land up north and other places that you could be. And I just want to say to you especially, thank you for being here. I don't think, I mean, I, I admire the fact that you could be doing other things and you still chose to show up here. You value this enough for your own relationship with God. You value being together with other people. You value our corporate mission together. And I just don't think you get enough credit. And so if that is you, way to go. Gold stars today for me. I don't have any gold stars, but in my heart, it's the thought that counts, right? So, this is, okay, this is way off topic. Isn't that a stupid saying? It's the thought that counts. If you're thinking about giving me a million dollars, just give me a million dollars, okay? I don't want your thoughts. I want the million dollars. Okay, so anyway, thanks for being here. And for those of you watching online, because you did not come back from a weekend up north, that's okay. Glad to have you tune in as well. Thanks for watching. Uh, we are starting a new four-part series today called essentials. And I think we all know what essentials are, right, in different areas of life. There are just basic essentials that we need as human beings. We need water. We need food. We need shelter. Uh, we cannot survive without those things. Those are essentials. Those are basic needs that have to be met for us. Um, we're familiar with essentials. If you shop on Amazon, you've probably heard of their line of clothing called Amazon Essentials. It's nothing flashy, nothing like real great. It's just plain t-shirts and sweatshirts and pants, like the stuff that kind of everybody needs. Now, that's just not the stuff that we're super happy about, but we all need it in our closets. It's essential. That's why it's in the name, Amazon Essentials. Um, if you're getting ready to go up north maybe next weekend or you go on a vacation or whatever, we, we check and make sure with people, okay, did we pack all the essentials? Do we get everything we need? Not everything's important, right? You don't need everything, but we need the essentials. You need to make sure you got clean underwear, clean socks, toothbrush, if you're going up north, you got to make sure you got the Bluetooth speaker and the phone charger and the hotspot router and the $50,000 RV because, you know, we're not Neanderthals. You need to be able to rough it for a few days. And so those are, those are the essentials, right? You need those things. Over the last 18 months, we've become a lot more familiar with the word essential, right? Especially with COVID and all that sort of stuff. Essential was kind of popping up everywhere. It became a regular part of our vocabulary that we were told that only <clears throat> essential businesses were allowed to be open, that only essential workers were supposed to go in the office. Uh, even just living at home, we were encouraged only to leave our houses for a while, only to get the essentials, and there are politicians and people in power kind of defining what was essential and what wasn't and affected all of our lives. And so with kind of all of that in the background and knowing about the word essential and who knows what's going to happen in the future, we just thought it'd be beneficial for us to talk about what are our essentials? What are the essentials that we must have to grow in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Personally, together, corporately, mission, kind of all of those things together. What are the essentials? What are the non-negotiables? What are the things that we absolutely must keep doing? With shutdowns and closures in our past, with cold and flu season coming up and new variants and vaccines and all that sort of fun. Aren't you excited for that? Like, 
What are the essential things that we have to make sure that we keep doing to continue growing in our relationship with God? What are the things that are non-negotiable and what are the things that we can let slip to the side? What must we keep doing and what is it okay if we stop doing or change the way we're doing it or the method, those sorts of things. And so that's, that's really kind of the, the, the goal, the heart of this series is defining what those essential steps, those essential elements are so that we can grow in our relationship with God. Now, when I first started driving, I remember one of the things that I wanted to learn to do was learn how to change my own oil. I did not grow up in a mechanically inclined family. Um, neither of my parents were raised that way, and so consequently, neither was I. And I don't, I don't really know what it was. Maybe I thought it was like the manly thing to do to learn how to change your own oil, or maybe I was just genuinely interested. It was, it was a long time ago, I don't remember. But I remember I wanted to learn how to change my own oil. But I never, I, I didn't know how to do that, didn't know where to start, and so I needed somebody to teach me. I needed teaching to learn how to change my own oil. So I called up, I was a junior in high school at the time, I was in youth group here at this church, I called up one of the youth leaders, his name was Morris, and Morris, I don't know if you ever watched this video, but thanks for this. <clears throat> um, I called him up and said, Morris, uh, I need you to teach me how to change my own oil. He was the most kind of car, mechanically inclined person that I had really had a relationship with at that time. So he said, sure, let's, let's go out, I'll teach you how to do it. So we go to probably Walmart, I'm not sure where, and he begins teaching me all the steps of changing my own oil, teaching me how to find the filter number, you know, in that little like Fram booklet that hangs off the shelves. So we look it up and he teaches me how to choose the best oil for my 13-year-old Buick Regal with 275,000 miles, like it even mattered, you know? So anyway, I got it like, but I don't, know, I don't know anything about this, right? I don't know if I need 0W30, 1040, ATV, motorcycle, like I have no clue what to do. And so he's teaching me all these different steps of, Here's how you change your oil. So we get everything. We go back to his brother's house and, you know, jack up the car a little bit. And he shows me the actual mechanics of it. He shows me, hey, here's where the, here's where the drain plug is. And here's what to look out for. So you don't accidentally drain the transmission or you don't drain a differential or something like that. And so he shows me that and he teaches me what to pay attention for on, on taking off an oil filter. And, you know, don't leave the gasket behind. Like incredibly beneficial teaching that had I not known that, had someone not walked me through that process, I could have screwed up my car so much and, you know, teach me about putting it back on and wringing the gasket with oil so it doesn't get caught. And when you pour oil back in, you got to start it and run it, see if it's at the right level. And all these different things that Morris taught me that I would have had no other way of knowing had it not been for teaching. Fast forward probably a, a 10 or 15 years and I'm working at a, a, an oil chain shop here in town that I won't tell you the name of because of the change of ownership. But anyway... <clears throat> Some of you got that. That's fine if you didn't. Uh, I'm learning more things about car mechanics and stuff like that. And I'm learning how to change differential fluids and learning how to find a cabin air filter and learning how to do a transmission flush and, and all these different things. And like, by no means am I a mechanic, okay? Don't bring your car to me if it's broken. It'll still be broken when you get it back. But at least right now, because I've been taught things, because of teaching, I'm at least not a total hack when it comes to motors anymore. Like, I can call up my mechanic and sound semi-intelligent, like I know what I'm talking about, right? But it all happened because I was taught because of teaching. And I think we've all experienced the benefits of teaching in our life, right? I mean, this is just part of being human. How do you know what you don't know unless somebody teaches you 
what you don't know. And, you know, if you, if you start a new job, the first couple weeks are just filled with teaching, right? Teaching you how to fill up paperwork, teaching you what to do on the floor, teaching how to deal with customers and all these sorts of things. If, if, if you've ever learned how to play a musical instrument, some sort of teaching was involved. Now, maybe you taught yourself, maybe a friend taught you, maybe you read books or watched videos, but like nobody pops out of the womb knowing how to play an instrument, right? Nobody. And speaking of popping out of the womb, a sentence that you probably never thought you'd hear in church, <clears throat> new parents, right? When you're a new parent, you have to learn so much, and there's so much teaching involved, everything from how to change a diaper to how to feed a baby to, like, breathing, and, like, apparently you've got to breathe. A, I'm not a woman. I have no idea, but, like, breathe a certain way to, like, get the thing out and, like, <laughs> you know, like the Cosby. Okay, we shouldn't talk about Cosby anymore, but... Uh, you know, there's, there's books and blogs and moms and all these things trying to teach new parents basically how to not wreck your baby, right? And we go to conferences and seminars to learn people skills and business skills and marketing skills and strategies so we can grow our business, but it's all about teaching us how to build and grow. There was a study done in 2018 that said 51% of people who watch YouTube watch to learn something. 51% of online YouTube viewership is some sort of educational, informational content. Now, whether that's a lecture from a classroom or, a, you know, trying to change a tire on a car, all sorts of different ways, but we learn so much. And I, I know for me personally, I have learned more from YouTube University than any other single source in my life. Like, hands down, YouTube is incredible. It's the best college you can possibly go to. But here's the thing. Teaching is essential not only for life, right? It's, it's, it's valuable in life, but it's also an essential part of us and our growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We need good, solid, biblical teaching for us to continue growing in our relationship with God. It's, it's one of the foundational things. It's a non-negotiable. It's a step that we can't miss. It is absolutely essential. Jesus talks about this in, in one of his final pieces of instruction to his, his kind of crew, his gang, before he lets them loose on the world. It's found, we call it the Great Commission. You're probably familiar with it, but Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I don't know if you fall into this camp. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I tend to be on the side that whatever Jesus says is probably pretty essential, okay? So if Jesus says teaching is important, then I just think that's something we ought to pay attention to, that teaching is valuable, that we need this for our lives. The Apostle Paul says the same thing in some of his letters, especially the ones that he writes to church leaders as he's kind of training new pastors and planting churches around the Mediterranean. Paul says this, teach these things. Talk about everything else he wrote in his letter. Teach these and insist that everyone learn them. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. There's three letters in the New Testament that are specifically written to pastors or church leaders. It's First and Second Timothy and Titus. And in all three of those letters, Paul hammers this idea of teaching and how valuable it is over and over and over again. To Timothy, he says, hey, I want you to patiently correct and rebuke and encourage people with good teaching. 
to Titus, another young pastor. He says, hey, teach old men this and teach old women this. Teach young men this and teach young women this. And all throughout the Bible, but especially in the New Testament, we see that from God's perspective, this teaching piece is absolutely essential. And here's the thing. If you are a Christian here, you're a Christian watching online, teaching is essential for us, not only to learn new things, not only to learn the right things, but also to unlearn all the bad things that we may have picked up from, mis- from, from bad teaching or from culture or from different sorts of ideas out there. As Christians, it's super important that we have good teaching. And if you're on the other side, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not sure about God and Jesus and is the Bible, can it really be trusted? Good teaching is important for you too so that you can make an informed decision on do I want to be a Christian or do I not? Is Jesus who he says he is or who he isn't? Is God like everybody says or is he not? We need teaching to understand that sort of stuff. And I think for most of us, this is not new like, oh my gosh, I've never, never thought of that before, right? This is not revolutionary information. Most of us know that we need this. In fact, pretty much any church that you go to is going to place a high priority and emphasis of time on teaching. For as long as Christians have been gathering together, as long as this thing called the church has been around, reading scriptures and teaching and talking about them has been a large part of what Christians do when they come together. And even as culture changes and adapts, this still remains one of the top things. I mean, think about COVID last year and and, and the closures even when we were closed. I mean, churches around the world suddenly were I mean, churches who'd never even dabbled in anything online suddenly were posting messages and getting their teaching out. Why? Because it's essential, because it's important. The, the method of teaching isn't, isn't the main part. It's just essential that we get good teaching to help us grow in our relationship with God. But here's the thing about teaching, and here's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about. We're not just talking about teaching how to change oil. We're not just talking about teaching multiplication. We're not talking about just teaching information. We're not even talking about teaching life skills or how to be a better husband or how to be a better person in this world. The type of teaching that is essential, the type of teaching that we need to to spur us on and, and challenge us and encourage us to grow in our relationship with God is very, very specific. And I think sometimes we miss it. In in those three kind of pastoral letters that Paul writes, he explains very clearly what the type of teaching that we need is to really spur us on in our relationship with God. And on one hand, he kind of approaches this from both sides of the coin. On one hand, Paul talks about staying away and avoiding foolish kinds of teaching. I want to read a few sections of what he says. He says this, When I left for Macedonia, he's writing to Timothy, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and to stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth, that not all teaching is good, not all teaching is essential. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. He goes on to say, these things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. That there are some teachings out there which don't help us grow in our relationship with God. Stay away from that. But some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in Paul's word, not mine, meaningless discussions. 
Now, Paul's writing to a pastor at this point. He's writing very specifically to Timothy, but I think we can catch his heart for all Christians, right? For all people, in fact. He's saying, in essence, this. Be careful. Don't waste your time on everything. Not everything's beneficial. Not every sort of teaching is true. Not every teaching or new wind out there is going to actually help us grow in our relationship with God. So stay away from stuff that doesn't promote. That's not the type of teaching that we need. And over and over, Paul hits this so many times. He writes in a different letter to Titus. He says this, do not get involved. Okay, warning, big red lights, pay attention to this. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees, about look where I came from, or look how well I behave, or look how well I follow this. Don't get involved in that. Or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things, again, Paul's words, are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. But after that, man, don't have anything to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, turned away from essential teaching, and their own sins condemn them. Now that's some pretty harsh language. That's some, that's some pretty bold words right there. Not only is Paul saying that there's some teaching out there that is useless and meaningless and foolish, but he's also even suggesting that maybe it's a sin to get involved in that kind of stuff. And I just, I just wonder, okay, this is just where my brain goes. I wonder, not just for me or as a staff, but all of us together, how easily is it for us, or how easy is it for us to slip into doing the things that Paul warned us to stay away from? How quickly and how easily can we focus on majoring on the minors? Think of it like this. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been on the YouTube wormhole. I have. It's like you go to look up how to change a spark plug on a car, right? And three hours later, you're discovering cats only sweat from their paws. Like, how in the world did I get here? I have no, like, I don't, like, I watched this, and then I watched an Elton John video, and then, like, I'm at cats, okay? I don't know how that happened. The same thing can happen at, at, in, in teachings when we focus on the wrong things. If we spend time when teaching, learning about genealogies, Spend time in teaching, talking about which version of the Bible is a more superior translation. Talking about which denomination is better. than There's so many different things that, that you and I, that Christians can get so distracted on that do not help us grow in our relationship with God, that do not foster more trust and a closer connection with him. And, and you can go down, you can look at all sorts of different churches and throughout church history, focusing on things like style of music and decor and what we call the church name, like, all sorts of things that are not essential and that Paul says is foolish and meaningless and a waste of time. And listen, if you've been around Access Church for a while, not everybody has, but if you've been around for a while, you are probably smart enough to realize that we don't talk about very many topics, right? We tend to talk about the same half dozen, dozen topics over and over again. We repackage them and talk about them from different angles, but it kind of all comes back to the same thing. I want you to know that's not because we're forgetful, okay? It's not because it's our hot button. It's not because uh, we don't, we're just bored of everything else. It's because it's what we're supposed to do. And I want you to know that at this church, we are never going to do a teaching series on Old Testament Jewish law. We're just not. We're never going to do a teaching series on uh, converting uh, an English word to a Greek word just to convert it back into an English word again. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do a teaching on the dimensions of the Ark of the Covenant and how to you know, properly convert cubits to inches. 
We're never going to do a teaching on seraphim and cherubim and how many wings and faces they have. We're not going to teach about Old Testament Jewish religious practices. Why? Because they don't help us grow in our relationship with God. Now, maybe some of them are interesting, and maybe we want to spend some time learning that on our own. I'm not saying that. But as far as the teaching that we need, uh, the essential teaching to grow in our relationship with God, those things are knowledge at best. Most of them, I want to say all, but I'll just say most, most of them do not help us grow in our relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. And therefore, they're not essential. So on one hand, Paul says this is the stuff, as far as teaching goes, this is what not to focus on. But essential teaching is not just what to avoid, it's also what we ought to redirect towards. What should we, okay, if we're not going to waste time here, what should we spend our time learning and teaching each other? And again, Paul clears this up for us, so there's no doubt about what it is. He says this to Titus, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right, totally right, 100% right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And then Paul says this, this is a trustworthy saying. Everything he just wrote, basically this is essential. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings, not everything, not the stuff he talked about before, not the foolish, meaningless stuff, but these teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. These are essential. The type of teaching that we need to, to encourage us and to grow us in our relationship with God has got to be focused on this. That we are made right with God only through faith in Jesus. Period. End of story. It is his grace, not our works. It is not about how good we were, how good we are, how good we can be. It is not about how sincere we are, how much we try, how much better we are than somebody else. We are totally right with God through Jesus and nothing else. That's the sort of essential teaching that we need to know and be reminded of and be reminded of often. And listen, if the teaching doesn't lead to faith in Jesus to be right with God, it ain't essential. If the teaching doesn't spur us to spend time with God because of what Jesus did, it ain't essential. If the teaching doesn't draw us or challenge us or encourage us to live differently because of our relationship with God made possible through Jesus, it is not essential. It is not what we need. It is not what is going to help us grow in our relationship with God. It is not good and beneficial for everyone. And I want you to know, I mean, as the pastor of this church and as a staff and as a board and a leadership team and all of you who volunteer, you know this, there is nothing that drives us more as a church than sharing this simple truth. The deepest spiritual truth there is that God became flesh to take on the penalty of our sins so that we could be made right with our Heavenly Father. That will always drive us as a church. But I want to tell you a sad story. 
and I, I think I've shared this before. Our, our founding pastor, Kevin, may have shared it before as well. It happened to him. I, I hear this story secondhand, but I've heard it so many times. It's just been burned into my mind. There was a lady many years ago who came to our church, and she loved it. Loved it here, loved what God was doing, very invested and engaged. Um, I think she volunteered. I, I, don't, I don't even remember who she was. She's just kind of the lady in my mind now. But she was very kind of invested and engaged here. But after a while, she started to drift away. I don't know what it was. I, I, I wasn't, had no idea. But she ended up leaving our church. A few years pass. Haven't heard from her, haven't seen her, nothing like that. So she calls up Kevin on the phone one day and says, Hey, thinking about coming back to the church, but I want to know, what's, what's God doing there? You know, what's God up to? What's kind of new and exciting? Tell, tell me some stuff. And I don't know, this must have been like after Christmas or an Easter, some sort of big holiday or something, because as I hear the story from Kevin, he goes, man, you, you'll never believe what God is doing here. It's so amazing. We just had 20 people or 30, I don't remember the number, right? X number of people. We had X number of people put their trust in Jesus for the first time to be reconnected with God and experience his, his presence now in eternity. Like, isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool what God is doing? And this is verbatim what she said on the phone. Oh, is that all? Guys, it breaks my heart even saying it. Is that all? Like there's something more exciting than people being saved from all eternity through no work of their... Like there's something better than that? Is that all? Is that all? Like somehow we, we had taught people, we had revealed, God had revealed the truth about who Jesus Christ was and people responded in faith to be made right with God. Is that all? Are you kidding me? There is nothing more exciting than that. There is nothing better than that. And listen, I don't throw out the pastor card very often, but I'm going to write here, okay? Don't ever go there. As your pastor, I'm begging you, please don't ever go there. Don't ever, don't ever allow yourselves to slip into that kind of thinking. That, that thinking that being a part of what God is doing in this world and partnering with him to draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ, is that all? That's the most exciting thing we will ever do in our entire lives. That is the highest privilege and honor that God could possibly give to us, to be involved in his eternal work in this world and be a part of someone's story and making a difference in their eternity. Is that all? Are you kidding me? Listen, there are going to be a lot of times, we're just giving you fair warning, we're going to talk about Jesus, okay? We're going to talk about Jesus a lot here. And we're going to talk about him so much and talk about being made right with God through Jesus and talk about enjoying a relationship with God through Jesus and talk about spending time with God because of Jesus so often that if you stick around for more than two years, you're going to be able to give the same message, okay? Just want you to know, you're going to think we're repeating ourselves. You're going to think I've already heard this. Yes, we're repeating ourselves. Yes, you've already heard this, but I want you to know we're in good company, okay? Because even Paul and Peter in their letters in the New Testament said, I know you know this already. I know this is just a reminder for you. I know that some of you could probably even teach others, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it's essential, because it's valuable, because it's important, because there's nothing more urgent and more valuable for our lives that we could possibly talk about. You know what that means? That means every time we talk about Jesus, we're not going to talk about seraphim. That means every time we talk about Jesus, we're not going to talk about a Shabbat. That means every time we talk about Jesus, we're not going to talk about the Greek meaning. Like, let's just talk about the English word, right? We all understand English. But we're going to talk about this stuff. We're going to keep hammering it over and over and over again. Because no matter how many times we hear it, it is always essential for us 
to be reminded and taught about being made right with God through Jesus Christ. That ought to never get old for any of us. And so listen, this teaching piece, this is essential. But what do we do with this? Okay, we know it's essential. We know we got, what do we do? I'm going to be very honest with you. This entire series, we're going to be blunt with what to do with it, okay? Not going to kind of suggest some things and kind of skirt around it and hope to like go easy on your feelings. We're going to be very blunt and very honest because these are essential, because these are not just little games that we play. Now, we all make up our own minds, right? I'm not saying you have to do this. We've all got a free will. You can, we can do whatever we want. But I want to be very clear with what I think we ought to do in light of these essential steps. And when it comes to teaching, good, solid, biblical, gospel, Jesus-focused teaching, here's what I think we all ought to do, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, whether you've been going to church your whole life or whether you haven't, whether you read the Bible on your own or not, here's what I think we all ought to do. I think that we need every, at least once a week, we need good teaching. At least once a week. Now, obviously, coming in person is the best, okay? It's the best for a multitude of reasons. We will touch on some of those in the coming weeks as well. But what you are doing right now, those of you here in the room, this is the best option by far. But I want to challenge some of you with this. Whatever your regularity of attending in person is right now, I want to challenge you to increase it. If you just attend kind of sporadically once every couple months or something like that, try attending once a month. Be more regular. Be more intentional about getting essential teaching. If you attend twice a month, make it three. Be here as often as you can. It is beneficial, even if it's from a selfish reason. There's a lot more reasons to come in person. But even from a strictly selfish reason, We need this for our lives and our relationship with God. We need to be around good, solid, biblical teaching. So make it a priority in your schedule. I don't know if that means you got to put it on your calendar. You might have to cancel some other things. I don't know what you got to do. But I'm telling you, it's essential. We need it. If if you don't want a growing relationship with God, then don't. But if you do, this is one of the essential steps that we cannot miss. However, This might sound like a big but. It is kind of a big but. But I know the world we live in, right? I'm not ignorant of the fact that summer in Minnesota is two weeks long. And, you know, like, I'm not ignorant of the fact that we've got cabins and things to do and all that sort of stuff. So here's the thing. Out of all the four things that we're going to talk about this series, this teaching piece, I think, is the only one that can be done exclusively online. Not the best, but I think it can be done. And so here's what I would say. On the weeks that we can't be here, if you're out of town, if you don't even live close enough, on those times, watch online. That's why we put the messages on. We were putting messages online way before COVID made it a cool thing to do, okay? We've been doing, we're OGs of this sort of thing, right? So watch online. Well, I mean, I'm not sure. From my perspective, I'm I'm biased, okay? So take that with a grain of salt. But I'm not sure there's ever a good reason to, to miss a message, to miss a teaching that will draw us closer to God. Why, why would we do that? So watch online. That's where they're there. But here's my caution. If you're going to do that, if that's going to be the route you go, make sure you really watch and let's not fool ourselves, okay? 
Clicking on the link doesn't count. Putting it on in the background and then multitasking doesn't count. Okay, studies have shown multitasking is a myth anyway. Our brains can only focus on one thing at a time. So if we're going to watch online, let's watch, but let's be engaged. Let's pay attention. Let's focus on the teaching. Again, even if it's just selfishly, let's do it. I've seen the YouTube analytics on our channel. Most of our messages are over 30 minutes long, especially when I speak, okay? I know, I'm long-winded. But most of our YouTube videos, the average watch time is eight minutes. That ain't cutting it. Now again, we can do whatever we want, but I'm, I, I believe with all of my heart and from God's perspective and what Jesus said and what Paul said, this teaching piece is essential. And we ought to make it an essential part of our lives as well, whether that's in person or whether that's watching online. And listen, I said at least once a week, okay? If you have more time than that, then invest more time into it. We have so many options available at our fingertips. Watch other churches, watch other pastors, as long as they're good teachers, okay? As long as they're not majoring on the minors, as long as they're not trying to teach you or lead you back into Judaism or something, as long as they're good, watch them. Read other books, listen to other podcasts. We are the most blessed people to ever walk the face of this earth when it comes to access to good, solid biblical teaching. The point is that it's essential and that we all need it. And here's the why, okay? The, the big why behind all this. Why is teaching such a big deal? Why should we rearrange our schedules? Why should we watch online? Why should we be more intentional about getting good teaching in our lives? I love how Paul describes it. He says this. He's talking to some Colossian believers. He says, you learned, you were taught, you were instructed about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant. He's helping us on your behalf. He's told us about all the different ways that you're growing, about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. And because of that, because of what we've heard, because of what you've learned, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. In fact, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, Paul is not talking about exclusively through teaching, right? Okay, Paul's talking about a lot of different ways that this happens, but that doesn't exclude teaching. The teaching is also part of this. He's praying for them, and I believe he'd pray the same thing for us, and I think God wants the same thing for us. I pray that you people, that we all together, that we grow in our, our complete knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Because then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And isn't that the goal anyway? To know God better and better. <clears throat> I don't know what your next step exactly needs to be, but whatever it is, whatever you need to do to get more good teaching in your life, I want to challenge you I want to beg you, I want to encourage you, I want to prod you, I want to plead with you. Again, if for no other reason than just selfishly, there are plenty of other good ones too, but for your own relationship with God, please make it a priority to get essential teaching in your lives. And I pray that as we do that, that as we take steps to, to head that direction, I pray the same thing that Paul prayed, that we would learn to know God better and better all the while. Let's talk to God before we head out. Father, I thank you so much for uh, revealing yourself to us through the letters that we have in the Bible and through good teachers who explain 
the truth to us. Father, I pray that you would continue to reveal your love and your grace and your mercy and the amazing relationship that we can have with you because of Jesus. Continue to reveal that to us, Father. I pray that you would put a desire in our hearts to to, um, be under or to listen to or to engage with good teaching more than we ever have before. Wherever we're at right now, Father, me included, may you touch our hearts and draw us, build a desire within us to want to grow in our relationship with you, to want to learn more, to want to be taught the right things, Father. And I pray that as as we pursue you, as we look to grow closer to you, Father, I just want to thank you in advance that I, I know you will meet us in that journey. I know in advance, God, that you will reveal yourself to us. And so I just want to thank you, God. Thank you that you will walk with us and guide us and grow our relationship with you as we look to grow closer to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.